Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, as you heard, tomorrow, as we said, is uh, what the world looks at as Halloween. It's getting a bit of a kick along now around the world, isn't it? They're talking about it a bit more. And uh, the shops are a bit more full of Halloween stuff. So it's kind of good to talk about supernatural things, especially because many times we as Christians don't know what it's about. We don't know what's going on. So we don't know what's going on. How has anybody in the world got a hope and got a clue if we don't really know what it's actually about? So it actually, when they call it Halloween, it actually means All Saints Eve. Uh, and it started around the 16th century, everybody, from uh, Ireland, I think, my ancestral homeland, went to Scotland, went to Wales, went to England, and uh, this thing started to take off. And really what it was, was just so you know, as we lead into this, and so you know when you're, you're seeing it around what it is, it was actually uh, the Festival of the Dead, which they created. And this is what it was about. They said at Halloween, the souls of the dead were said to revisit uh, their homes. So if you died, you'd come back on Halloween to revisit your home. So it was a festival that had pagan roots, and they used to put pumpkins down on the ground to represent the, uh, uh, the dead people who'd now returned at Halloween, could find their way back to their ancestral home because of the lit uh, pumpkin lantern. You would follow it along. And uh, the Catholic Church thought it was a, not a bad idea because 800 AD, they started to have All Souls Day, which everybody who went to Catholic school, which I did as a kid, you would go on uh, November the 1st, All Souls Day, and you would be praying people out of purgatory into heaven. Now, there's another story altogether. But, uh, but at Halloween, uh, adults soon cottoned onto it and started uh, going around to the rich people, what they called souling, and they began begging at the door of the rich for what were called soul cakes. And they used to give the poor people these soul cakes in honor of uh, uh, these souls returning from the dead to the world to find their home. So basically, Halloween was about ghosts that were trapped uh, in the afterlife, and now they were returning home. And uh, you would dress up, by the way, you'd dress up as a goblin and all these things they dress up as, and really in a supposed way of scaring away the spirits that were returning to their homes. So when you see them dressing up, it's actually meant to be scaring away the dead who are returning to their, their homes. So, you know, a lot of people have no clue, but just chuck themselves into things straight away, right? But you've got to kind of think about stuff because we start thinking that, you know, uh, there's all these dead people walking around. And I know Michael Jackson thought that, but it's actually not uh, in the Bible. I'll just let you know, Isaiah 26.14 says this, Isaiah 26.14, anybody wants to take notes on this? It says, spirits don't rise. So it's basically saying if you've died, your spirit is, uh, you're now, if you're a believer, the Bible says you're in the presence of the God, if God says once to, uh, once to die, then the judgment, but it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the Bible says you're in God's presence. So the Bible actually declares spirits don't rise. And then Ecclesiastes 9 verse 5 says, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. So the dead no longer, when you've died, you don't know any longer about this, what's happening in the earth. They're not, they're not there um, 
you know, uh, watching what's going on here. They don't know anything about the earth any longer. Some people think, you know, that, you know, um, Granny is there watching and she's, well, it's a, it's a nice thought, but it's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says they no longer know anything and they don't have any further reward in this life. There's no further reward because now they finished their race, finished their life, and now, if they're a believer, they're in the presence of the Lord. And then there's that reminder at the end of the verse, and even their name is forgotten. Isn't that amazing? All the people who think they're, you know, uh, all that, and that they're going to be, you know, they're living this life as if they're all that right now. And then the Bible says all of us ultimately will be forgotten. So it's only what you do and how you live your life in this life that matters because you're going to impact uh, in eternity. Hello, your, your name and life will impact in eternity by what you did in this life. So the Bible is saying to everybody, make a difference now. Live your life for God now. Serve the Lord now. Because uh, the, your name in this life ultimately will be forgotten. Lazarus chapter, uh, sorry, Lazarus, Luke chapter 16. <laughs> New, oh, hello. <laughs> All right, something going on here. <laughs> well spotted. <laughs> so Luke chapter 16, Jesus actually said there's a huge chasm between the rich man and uh, Lazarus. So Jesus said there's a huge chasm between the rich man and Lazarus. So in de death, they're, they're not close. You can't cross over. So he's saying there's this huge chasm. So when you die... You're not now wandering about uh, the planet at different times. There's a huge chasm before the rich man and Lazarus. So Jesus was letting us know you're not going to be back, and, uh, and there's no way to return. So Luke 19, verse 31, though, says this. It teaches us that there's not uh, relatives returning and wandering around, but there is demonic spirits that know about you and know about me. Did you know that? Uh, the, uh, heaven knows about you. Anybody glad to know heaven knows about you? If you're a Christian, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. So the book in eternity, when you open the page, it's going to say Jordan Kean. <laughs> Jordy just went, <laughs> not, of, not of you, not of his, anything he's done, but because he surrendered to Jesus, gave his life to the Lord, your, his name will be in the book of life. So, so the Bible is telling us um, in Leviticus 19, give no regard to mediums, you know, clairvoyance. Don't go and get your fortune read. You're going to get, you know, you can get a, a curse over your life by getting Madame Zelda to read your fortune. And uh, she's not as hot as she used to be. At one stage, they were doing Madame Zelda hotline. You'd ring up and get your psychic reading. Madame Zelda and people had come out, oh, my gosh. She told me this, and, uh, and the Bible says, give no regard to mediums. Don't ring Madame Zelda. Don't go to any clairvoyant. Don't give regard to mediums. Let's look at this, and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them, but to be defiled by them. Defiled. What does defiled mean? Getting in touch with the demonic realm will spoil you and impact the, your relationship with God, the call of God on your life. It will impact you spiritually. So God says, don't seek after them because you'll be defiled, spoiled by that. I am the Lord your God. 
And so what's happening is, when the Bible says familiar spirits, the Bible's saying there are spirits that know about you. They know about your relatives. They know about your relatives who passed on. Actually, I was praying for a guy once, and he had uh, some demonic in his life. When you're a pastor for 39 years, you find out that some of the Hollywood movies aren't too far off the truth in some areas, that there is uh, demonic stuff that can happen in people's lives. And this guy, with a, and literally like the movie, had a different voice. I would come to pray for him, and suddenly there was a voice coming out of him that was not his voice. So when Hollywood copies that, they are taking it from reality many times, but not all the time. So some of it is just nonsense, but sometimes it's real. Anyway, this voice came out of this guy. I went to pray for him, and this young guy goes, it was a demonic voice, oh, no, not you. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> this devil didn't want me praying because it was like you're already known because you're already praying for people and you're already having an impact for Jesus and he said oh no not you I thought that was actually really good <laughs> that you've actually got uh, demons knowing who you are and uh, he was like oh no not you and then proceeded to say a few other words to me which I won't repeat in the seven o'clock service so but familiar spirits listen everybody and it's, uh, as we see people around this Halloween th deal, they're actually imitating people in order to deceive. So familiar spirits are actually imitating people in order to deceive. So it looks like, you know, Auntie Mary, or it sounds like, so, oh, it so, could be her, could be him. When in actual fact, no, no, it's a familiar spirit who knows them and now is trying to deceive you and pull you into something. And uh, so we need to understand that God's word is true. And, uh, and that as we stand on God's word, listen, you can be freed and delivered from the spiritual realm. And anything that's dark, that may be oppressing your life. And if you're here and you're, you know, Australia, often Australians and Americans, Canadians, all of us in the West, New Zealand, we're, a lot of people say, oh, no, I don't believe. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that stuff. Well, can I just encourage you that you just may be culturally naive. You may be somebody who's actually culturally naive to what much of Asia understands, much of Africa understands. Africa knows there's a God and a devil. Much of South America understands. M multiplied, I don't know, be a couple of billion people easily, really and truly know the spirit realm is very real. So if you're like, oh, no, I don't believe in it. Well, it's just really probably haven't traveled much haven't gone out to some of these places, haven't met people who've come from these places and sat and talked to them because they will tell you there's some serious stuff going on in the spiritual realm in those continents. So everybody, you need to know that there is a God and there's also a devil. There's a God and the Bible teaches us there is a devil. Uh, hello, let me say it again. There's a God. Come on. And, but there is a devil. And it's going to take more than sociology and psychology to deal with the devil, it's going to take you walking with the Lord to break the power of the devil in people's lives. Sometimes you'll see in families, you'll see something that it's like the family are in a, not just a routine, it's not just copying, it's like some kind of bondage over a family that they're just all held doing some, there's some kind of brokenness, some kind of sin, some, and they can't get out of it and it's beyond the natural. That's going to take Jesus coming into the hearts of people, the hearts of the people in that family, coming into their life to break that bondage 
and to break it off their life. And what happens is when Jesus comes in, he comes in full of light. And so he removes the darkness off your life and off your heart and off your mind. And suddenly this light, it's like light has been turned on. And I would say the best way to describe it is you can see uh, clearly for the first time. You can see clearly for the first time. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, everybody tells us it's about the devil. And, uh, and it tells us that this enemy of God, an enemy of, God, of people, because the devil knows that the Bible says you are created in God's image. That's why sometimes people are, feel like they're being driven mad and they don't know why I'm being driven mad. It's because there's a spiritual enemy. And so the Bible has been, te- has been teaching that for thousands of years. And the scripture says this. It says this in 2 Corinthians 2, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Listen, everybody. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his schemes. So the Bible's telling us the enemy, the devil, has schemes to and wiles to wrap you up and you know, bind you up and cause you not to know God, cause you not to walk with God. And if you're a believer, he, he wants to wrap you up so that you don't move forward into God's uh, plan for your life, but you're, and also that you certainly don't walk forward into relationship with the Lord. So that word schemes in other translations, the word may be better said as strategies. The enemy has a strategy for your life. The enemy has a strategy. He's got a scheme, and that's why if you are a believer... You need to be fully awake to the fact that that scheme and that strategy doesn't go away because you became a Christian. The enemy, he's got schemes and strategies. They don't go away because you become a Christian. Now, the, the back of them gets broken by the power of God through salvation. But they don't go away. So we need to be not ignorant, not unaware that the enemy is working through schemes. The number one way the enemy gets people is through bitterness. He gets people, number one way the his scheme is to get people bitter and uh, angry, and then he's got them, you know, what's the youth word now? Cooked. <laughs> You're cooked. <laughs> well, that was the right word. He's got you cooked. You can't, God, God can't do anything with us when we're full of bitterness. And we're offended and we're angry and we're up. He can't do anything. So the devil goes, I'm going to scheme and strategize to get so-and-so to hurt you, so-and-so to upset you, this happened. Then I've got you cooked. Then you'll be unable to be used how God wants to use and move through your life. And then God says, well, that offense or upset or unforgiveness is the perfect thing I've sent to you. Or no, not sent to you, allowed to come to you so that you have a rich opportunity to learn forgiveness. God wants you to have a rich opportunity. If you're saying, Lord, I just need to know you at a deeper level. I need a real deeper opportunity. God says, I'm about to give it to you. I'm going to get somebody to really upset you in the youth ministry, in the car park, somebody who is a Christian. I'm going to up to upset you. And then you're going to have this amazing opportunity to grow. By having this incredible opportunity to forgive. You want to know how to grow as a Christian? Forgive. And Jesus said seven times 70 
and then start again. Seven times 70 and then start again and you will be growing. Look at Ephesians 6, everybody. Ephesians 6 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Listen, stop making people your problem is what the Bible says. Stop making people your problem. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against that person, that person, that person. But Paul says we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Gee, he's been subtle here. Rulers of darkness against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul's not being subtle here. He's saying, listen, you have got a formidable foe and you need to know that. So one of the greatest Christian leaders, greatest writers of the New Testament is saying to all believers, you need to know that you have a formidable foe. And it's not that person. It's not your boss at work. It's not that person in youth. It's not that person you serve with. It's not that person. It's spiritual powers. And he says they're rulers of darkness. He says they're spiritual hosts of wickedness in the realm that you cannot see with the natural eye. But just because you can't see with the natural eye doesn't mean it's not there. So when he says we're wrestling, he's, if you look into it, he's actually saying it's like wrestling bare hands on the ground. He's saying if you're a Christian and you're going to be a Christian who's wanting to be authentic, not everybody is, but if you are, wanting to be an authentic Christian, if you are, then he's saying you will have times where it's like wrestling on the ground. The battle that you're going to have to have, hello, in the spirit realm, what does that mean? You're going to have to pray. You have to say, God, I surrender my life to you. You have to say, God, I got to get so, I got to go to a new level of seriousness. Lord, I actually need to get out of fake and into authentic. Jesus, I'm going to have to pray. Lord, I'm going to have to read the word. You're going to have to get some fight going. Gosh, I like it when you see a Christian with a bit of fight. Sometimes you meet Christians and they're like, hello. Oh, you just want to slap them, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You meet them and they're like, hello, praise the Lord. I'm like, look, look, mate, you need to fight. You need to lose that mamby-pamby, whatever Christianity that is. Because you're going to have to fight. You're going to get yourself into God's plan. And you're going to get your kids and grandkids into heaven. You're going to have to lose. Hello. Bless you. Do you go to church? Sometimes. Get on the ground and wrestle. <laughs> Barehanded wrestle. <laughs> And the first fight you need to do is with yourself. Slap yourself about a bit, you know. <laughs> Wake up. What are you doing? <laughs> Get a clue. Wake up. Start there and then go to the ground. There we go. You don't get this at Hillsong, do you? Anyway. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Listen, everybody, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the Bible is saying to us that we, 
even though the Bible says they're formidable enemies, it's also saying don't overestimate them. Don't overestimate the enemy, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. C.S. Lewis, who was the great English literary genius, who was not a Christian atheist, came to Christ. He says he came to Christ through his mind. He uh, opened his heart eventually, but he intellectually started looking to Christianity and uh, uh, with Tolkien and others, and that was all leading him to faith in Christ. But C.S. Lewis says there are two errors we make as believers. Interesting. He said we either overestimate the power of the devil or we underestimate the power of the devil. He said there's two errors we're making. We're either overestimating the power of the devil. Oh, we're so big. Oh, I can never get a breakthrough. Oh, I can't get forward. Or we're underestimating his power. Which are you doing? Because he said both of them are in error. So I remember once um, somebody said to me, do you know what? When I walk around, I go into this room and I can feel cold spots. I feel like this cold thing. And then they, and then they told somebody else. And then somebody else said, oh, I've felt cold spots as well. And then they told somebody else. And next minute, I was, at, uh, in, I was in youth still. And all these young people go, oh, they got all these cold spots in there. <laughs> it's like they were, anyway, what happened was they all started doing an invitation for the devil to come. Oh, it's cold in here. That must be spiritual. Keep, and then and as they all kept declaring it, it just get colder. <laughs> so I remember coming over and going, get the heck out in Jesus' name. This is the hottest room in the house. Amen. <laughs> anyway, later I said, any problem with the cold spot? No, it seems to have gone. <laughs> they were overestimating the power of the enemy. Overestimating. Everybody... When you have Jesus Christ in your life, listen, you have authority. You have authority. When you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have authority. You have great authority. You can walk into a situation and say, devil, I bind you. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Get out of uh, my life. Get out of this situation. You have authority. So as a Christian, you want to walk around with that authority. Now, not pride. I'm not talking about pride, but you're walking around knowing who lives in you. And I remember as a new Christian, I've told this story before, but I was with some of my friends in Sydney. And when I was a new Christian, because I'd come out of darkness, a lot of things were happening around me where I'd go because I'd been so bound up and so in the darkness. And I walked into a cafe with a couple of my friends, and we'd become Christians. And when I walked in, in the dodgy area in Sydney, I walked in, and there was a lady there. She was in the occult, no doubt about it. I could tell straight away. And then she said to me, she goes, get out of here. I can feel the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Not to say, look at, you know, I'm great. But I just suddenly realized, wow, she's in the occult and she's picking up the authority that's come in me since become a Christian. That authority is in you. Can someone say amen? That authority is in you. Okay, so don't, some people will over ascribe all evil in the world to the devil. I want to encourage you, people have a good uh, job on their own <laughs> and do a good job on their own many times. Sometimes you don't have to talk about the enemy. It's what people are doing. And so we need to say, Lord, help us to, uh, you know, be surrendering our hearts to you and also not developing an unhealthy interest in those kind of things because that also is not good.
So one is overbelief, one is underbelief, and the demons are happy with both errors. One's, oh, what is it I say? Overbelief, one's underbelief, and the devil and the demons are happy with both errors. Here's a thought, everybody. The enemy can't make a good person a bad person. He can't make a good person a bad person. He can only make a person who has unsurrendered areas in their life to Jesus or flaws in their character. He can only aggravate what's already in them. The devil can only aggravate what's in you to use that against you. Let me say that the devil can only aggravate what's in you. He can't, he can't make a, a you know, good person walking with God who's genuinely, he can't make them be bad. But he can just work with the unsurrendered areas in their life, the flaws in their character, and aggravate them. And aggravate them and bring them to life. So, so we need to realize that the devil, the Bible says, is a liar. When, you know that name Diablo? You hear that mentioned for the devil, South America? They say Diablo. Well, half of the definition of that is liar. So the devil is a liar. So you watch in the culture how many people... God says you're made in his image, created in his image, and then so many now in our culture, is like everybody's trying to change their image. Ch- change your image. Don't like yourself. Change your body. Change your look. Change this. Change that. Because God says, I made you in my image. And I made you with a purpose and a plan. So Diablo says, hello. The liar says, no, change. You're not worthy as you are. You're no good as you are. You're not... You're not attractive enough you're not smart enough you're not this enough you're not that enough you're not that so he's driving this generation mad where everybody thinks i need to change i need to change now i'm finally happy it's probably more happy because the spirit's like now that i've confused you and wrecked you and made you nothing like what god made you i'll leave you alone because i've driven you crazy now he wants to drive us crazy so the devil comes at us from two roots this is how he this is how he comes at us temptation so the enemy will, is attacking every person here when he attacks you through two roots. First one's temptation. He gets you to have a higher view of yourself than you ought. Pride. Pride. We think, I'm all that. So the devil comes in, and he's trying to get us to lift ourselves up. If he's tempting us, listen, when the devil's tempting you, here's how you know it's happening. Here's how you know the enemy's tempting you. He hides from you God's holiness. He hides from you God's holiness. So you're a Christian, but now God's holiness is hidden. So you don't live your life with any sense of holiness or reverence because he's tempting you. He hides how much God hates sin because it spoils you. He hides it. He hides it because he knows it will affect your call, your walk with God. And this is what the devil does when he's tempting you. Listen, he tells Christians, everybody's doing it. He tells you, oh, everybody's doing it. That's okay. Everybody's doing it. And they're not doing it. You're not doing it as bad as them. You're not as bad as them, so you're good. The devil comes that way. And then, or he comes conversely this way, accusation. It's the opposite. This is what he does. He hides God's love. He lifts up judgment and hides God's forgiveness from you. Oh my gosh, how funny is this? The devil is doing two different things. It's either temptation to lift yourself up, hides God's holiness, hides how much God hates sin, because it, he, because ultimately God knows it's going to spoil you, spoil your walk with Him, spoil your plans, spoil your purpose, spoil your heart. 
tells you everybody's doing it, and then, or he goes the other way, accusation. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough for God. God can never use you. You've gone too far. You've failed too much. He lifts up judgment. God's going to judge you, accuses you, accuses you. The Bible says in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren at Global Heart Church and everybody visiting or new to church has been cast down. So the Bible says the accuser has been cast down. He's accused you. You'll never be used by God. And God says, I love you. Come to me. Confess it to me. Give it to me. And then God says, I throw your sins, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, and I remember them no more. How good is God? Anybody, anybody see now, hang on a minute, I've been under a bit of attack here from the enemy. That's, that's a spiritual attack. I thought that was me. No, that was the enemy. He was at work. Here's what the devil does. He sh- this is how he gets you. Listen, he shows you the bait, but he hides the hook. He shows you the bait to get you off course, gets you into something you're not meant to be involved in, but he hides the hook. He shows you the pleasure of doing something that God says no. God says yes to so many things, but some things he says no. He shows you the pleasure of it over the misery of it. He he rationalizes sin as a virtue. Oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But then people pay a great price. This is how he gets us. He tells you you're not nosy, you're just concerned. You're not a gossip. You're just concerned. I'm just concerned. He'll show you someone else so that you will say, I'm not nearly as bad as them. When God said, it's nothing to do with that. It's about walking in my love and my grace and walking in the value that I've bestowed on you. Everybody, here's some good news. God is our protector. For every believer, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. I'll fear no evil. Yeah, people around the world, even with, with Halloween, people, some people get freaked out by all this stuff. Listen, as a Christian, fear no evil. Hello, as a believer, you fear no evil. Hello, as a Christian, fear no evil. God is with you. Come on, he, and He's your protector. Here's another thought, right? Um, Katy Perry got interviewed in Marie Claire. I remember it. And when they interviewed Katy Perry, she said, I'm not a Buddhist, not a Hindu. I'm not a Christian. But I still feel like I've got a very deep connection with God. (laughs) Katy, that's like saying, I'm married to someone who is totally undefined. I've never seen them. I don't know them. I've never met them. But wow, we have a deep connection. Listen, God is not a God of our making. He's not a God who we come up with in our head. He's not a God that you think, yeah, I'm going to go with a little God that I like. Listen, God is God. God is God. And the Bible teaches us again, which I really, really love. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God you're going to go, oh, I'm so confused and I, could, I don't know what He looks like and I've got a deep relationship with Him, but He could be anybody. It could be anything. No, listen, the Bible defines who God is. He's a loving Father. He's a protecting Father. 
He's a Father who loves you. And He's defined Himself in the Bible so that you will know His character, His heart, who He is, what He stands for. I love it. No confusion. In a confused age, God is a God who is not the author of confusion. He's the God of clarity. Can somebody say amen? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.